0: It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC.
1: After uh, Noam Layden uh, introduced his ten top disco picks and bombed yesterday on uh, Sid Friends, who had his disco Friday, and then a counteract all of that, he did two hours from two in the morning to four. Callers were savaging Nome Laden saying, what? Rolling Stones? Number five? Are you out of your mind? This is disco. And you come
2: in with what? This oh. was This was a test. This was a sociological experiment. We decided that since you always savage Christian's choices, that if I gave him some songs to play, once you found out they were my selections, you will say they're not so bad.
1: No, not at all. I'll savage you, too, like I savage no Can <laughs> you imagine saying that out of the top ten disco songs of all time, even, even Sid Rosenberg went absolutely out of his mind. Absolutely out of his mind.
2: Rolling Stones, great band, great rock and roll band, but not disco. So I would have to agree, even though there were times – that the Rolling Stones seemed to be trying to do a little bit of a discoy vibe during that era. They all did.
1: Remember when disco was so it's popular? Totally. But a lot of them recognized that it was just not for them. I I was actually auditioning for another show, a music show, a disco show, tonight an EDM show, electronic dance music. Me, I just want to snore up every every ounce of talk time imaginable here at WABC, where it's always broadcasting Curtis. Since so many hours have been taken yeah. from me already. All Saturday, a Sunday afternoon. You're but, a victim. But I've been given the notice by our uh, uh, owner and operator, John Katsimatidis, special show this Monday. I know you're going to want to listen to this. Greg Kelly is away, so it'll be me and Roger Stone. Oh, my God. As you know, he is the hardcore Trumper. I'm the never Trumper. I'm leaning towards DeSantis. He was the first one who ever encouraged Trump to run for the presidency. In fact... There was a meeting up in Trump Tower. It was Frank Murano. It was a number of the Staten Island Republicans trying to urge Trump at that time to run against Cuomo for governor. And Stone was the only one there who said, Donald, why do you want to run for governor against Cuomo? That's like, you know, that's like the junior leagues. And plus, you might lose against Cuomo. He was very popular at that time. You got to run for president. And that's when Trump turned to everybody and goes, I'm listening to Roger Stone. And then he began his campaign 2016 to run for the presidency. So this will be good because Roger Stone loves Trump. And you know me. I'm a never-Trumper. Uh, I'm leaning towards DeSantis. So this this will be good because he's the two I think guys. It,
2: I think, look, you're, you're, he's an interesting guy. Obviously, you're very good at radio. The problem is it's such the issue is a little bit you're either with this Trump thing and you can't be moved. Or you're a rational human being and you're like looking for other options. But I don't think anyone gets persuaded on one side or the other, do you? Well, I think so, because uh, we've talked briefly about DeSantis
1: here. You know, we've been overwhelmed with Trump because of the news cycle. Obviously, the indictment, right. uh, the raid at Mar-a-Lago, things we didn't anticipate that have shifted all the attention to Trump. Who's loving every second of it, let's face it. That's Anthony, right. he's like you, he's like me, he's like Len Slice. Any attention that he can get more, 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 whether it's bad, it's good, more, more, more. And I got to tell you, I think this will be good because I think most of our listeners, they're leaning in the direction of the Republican candidate now that uh, Biden has given every signal that come Tuesday he's going to announce he's running for re-election. Right. And so far, the people stepping up, you know, the new age of Williamson, RFK Jr., doesn't look like anybody else is. No, really but I guess. But up. the
2: thing is, if you take the universe of people who are trying to decide who to support for the Republican nomination, I have yet to see, and the polls bear this out, because the gra- the gravitational forces returned after a lot of insiders have been talking about DeSantis and people like you and me. It says, oh, he's an interesting guy, and I devoted a lot of time to he- to him and his record, the things he say the base of the republican party is inextricably stuck with trump and i don't think it's a rash i don't think it's a rational thing i don't think they're like well you know here's a position they're better on or he's going to lose look the biggest argument of all is trump is going to lose if they do a replay I mean, oh know, i believe right and so stone once you get to that point Stone, can say, "Oh no, I don't think. I think it's different. Like I'd be well, dying, I, I'd be dying to hear who Stone thinks Trump grew with." They're the hoping
1: for the implosion by Biden of the economy uh, on the geopolitical front, because then people might start to say, "Hey, you know, I, I would never vote for Trump. I voted for him in 2016. Didn't vote for him in 2020, but might do it this time." I really think. Uh it's best for our country if we have new faces oh, on great. both sides. Out with the old, in with the new. I don't want to replay a 2020.
2: I tell you, I, I read an interesting uh, uh fact or stat um on my show. They asked people who say in polls they think that Donald Trump was a bad president and who think Joe Biden was a bad president, which is a lot of Americans yes. who think that both things are true. They asked those people, if those are your choices, who do you prefer? Biden comes on top, 54 to 15, not even close. Absolutely. Because the independents have kind of already made the decision. i got two crummy presidents, at least one who's not got whatever whatever, mission. And
1: out of those independents, the women are breaking for Biden. Now, in 2016, your candidate, Hillary, was shocked because in the last few days, women broke for Donald Trump, which shocked him, which made him president of the United States. Uh, In 2020, they broke for Biden. And I'm telling you, When I heard him, and he continues to do this call, Stormy Daniels, horse face, you may call her a prostitute, you may call her a stripper, you may call her everywhere, but women are watching that, and they're thinking of their exes, whether they were boyfriends, whether they were broken relationships, you know, they were engaged, or whether it was divorce, and they're saying, that's what my husband, that's what
2: my boyfriend called me, yeah, yeah. They
1: don't like that.
2: And also, they don't, you know, people forget that after... Trump, the combination of COVID, which obviously was very bad for him because it took the economy offline and it took maybe one of his best arguments for getting a second term, took it off the board. The other thing was this general, if we forget because it's been a while, the Trump fatigue that had kind of set in. You ask a lot of independent voters, they'll say, "I I think Joe Biden is doing a crummy job. I think they can barely get a sentence out but they don't want to go back no. to that kind of thing. And so that's why I think well I think you and and Stone are are, are fascinating. Listen, cuz I think you're both interesting. You're very colorful people. I don't think you're going to move a single human being from from Trump to DeSantis.
1: But we'll also go back and dig up all the bones uh, and who buried him. He knows that. I know that. Right. I'm going to say, "Hey, Roger Stone. How do you go from being the campaign manager for al Slim Chady Sharpton for president, the campaign manager, which was done completely to destroy the Democrats. And Sharpton participated in that when he was running in the primaries. And that's why Stone was involved. So basically, uh, Sharpton didn't mind being a tool for the Republicans there. I'm going to have to hold on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, 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 tooth uh, fell out again. Anyway, <laughs> I got to do this because it's killing me. Uh, The point being is Sharpton was a tool for the Republicans. He didn't mind being that in that
2: primary that he ran in. And Roger Stone was his campaign manager. Well, how about this? The other thing you guys can chat about is what's it like to be in a holding cell? Oh, exactly. (laughs) I know. He knows. And more importantly, what's it like
1: now to know that wherever he goes, there are eyes in the skies that are on him? Because they know wherever Stone goes goes. Trump is involved. This guy is the wartime consigliere for
2: Trump. Then there's the other thing. The other thing was Stones and I don't know if you guys are going to get to this. The the way that Stone was involved with WikiLeaks had, apparently had prior knowledge yes, 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 I'm writing it down, I right. love, I love Julian
1: Assange. Yeah, right. I mean so he I
2: he had prior knowledge to what you know, he was in communication. We we now remember he was within a within a presidential pardon of going to prison for his interactions yes. on that stuff. And so again, you know, when we welcome guests in here, we don't take the gloves off, but we're respectful and I know that you're gonna be respectful to him and he's gonna be invited back, just the same way we did with, with Andrew Cuomo. Uh, we had him in here, and despite the and when he didn't answer the big questions, the listeners heard it with their own ears. So I'm looking forward to hearing you you guys go at it. I think it'll be it'll be an interesting. That'll program. be
1: Monday exclusive, the WABC one to three, uh, because Greg Kelly is away. Uh, I'll be defending Desantis, although I still want to hear from the rest of the candidates. I want I want primaries, I want debates. I, I don't want to say, oh, I'm Desantis, do or die. But I do realize we have a lot of listeners. It's Trump or nobody. You know, that's their attitude. It's Trump or nobody. I Well,
2: yeah, but you DeSantis guys, I mean, I get this woke thing. It's fun and everything else. He is becoming a one-trick pony. You know, people care about a lot of things. I am not – I don't believe a lot of swing voters are staying up at night wondering if transgender Disney characters are going to be invading their lives. I think they're concerned about the other issues that they face, and DeSantis – I get it. It's been successful for him down there in Texas. But, man, oh, man, if it's like with him, it's noun, verb, and, and woke in every I sentence. I know, but you know what
1: the bottom line is. If DeSantis can survive the Republican primary, and just because all of a sudden now it's like 50, 32, hey, look, you've seen other primaries, right? Look at where all the leaders were. Rudy Giuliani was way ahead in the Republican primary, remember? America's mayor, slam dunk. He's going to be the Republican candidate for the presidency a few primaries later,
2: Florida. He was expected to whip him with yeah, all the New Yorkers, here, and he crashed him. That's true. That's true. And that's the fear I'd have. How is DeSantis? Trump is such a known quantity. He's known, but
1: remember that known factor will not grow. That known factor will be there hardcore. Now, if DeSantis survives the process and he's on a stage with Joe Biden, right there, average Americans say, "Oh." We gotta go with the younger guy.
2: Oh, I agree with we you 100%. We gotta go with the younger guy. The only argument for Biden, I mean, look, he's he's got a pretty good record. I think I can do a, a suitable job defending his record. But the one rationale for him, and that he's gonna say to all his donors next week, who are watching him, you know, wipe spittle from his chin, trying to figure out what he's talking about most of the time, is he's gonna have one sentence. I have shown I can beat Trump. I can beat him again. The, I don't, I believe that. But. Yeah, but, but you're right. But if DeSantis, is the guy, and that rationale disappears, you're going to see Democrats starting to have real second thoughts about Biden. Yes, and the Hunter
1: Biden factor is now growing more ominous, whereas yeah. it was completely, you know, dismissed in the uh, Trump election. Now it's gaining speed. Why? Because the Republicans have the majority in the House, and Jordan is going to have hearings. And already, what Hunter Biden's uh, attorney's doing, they're meeting with Department of Justice.
2: Yeah. Why? Why are they meeting? It must they're, be concerned. No, they're meeting with them because they're like, everyone has the same interest. You know, pooper, get off the pot here. This U.S. attorney has had this thing for years. And by the way, he's not going to get anything for influence peddling or China or anything else. He's going to get tax evasion. He's going to get filing a false gun application. Um, and he's going to get, he's going to taking too many, um, uh, having two, uh, two uh, uh, um, tax filings a year late. These people who think that it's going to be Joe Biden, whatever it is, it's going to be a relatively minor thing. It's, it's not going to be influence peddling. But I
1: love the fact he owed taxes. It was found he owed taxes. A Biden donor moved in, paid the taxes. This reminds me of the time that al Shady Sharpton was sued for defamation and libel by Stephen Pagonis up in Poughkeepsie. Because let's face it, the whole Tawana Brawley thing was a, a fraud. Right. And he won. Stephen Pagonis won. And Sharpie goes, I'm not paying anything. And then Johnny Cochran, who was still alive, came in and said, okay, uh, how much? I'll pay it all. And nobody cares as long as
2: the money's paid. Right. But here's what's going to happen is this Biden, the Hunter Biden thing is going to end with a whimper, not a bang. I mean, you know, people are talking about they're in a prostitution ring, 52 members of the family and all this other kind of stuff. This U.S. attorney, a Trump appointee that Joe Biden left in to investigate his son is going to come out even if it's the worst possible case it's one felony of of evasion. Of, 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 but you of, of see, if Trump
1: survives the Republican process, if no other Democrat rises to challenge Biden, then it's a replay of 2020 all over again. Yes. And we're not going anywhere with a replay is, of 2020.
2: That is the argument when you debate Roger Stone and when I have conversations with Trump supporters. I'm like, listen, I get it. If you just want to rally, and, and you're right, when you said at the beginning that Trump loves this, his polls have gone steadily upwards, his donations have gone steadily upwards. Every fight he has with Joe Bragg, uh, with Bragg is a good day for him. Yes, but if you are a Republican that cares about being four more years without the executive branch, this guy lost by nine million votes last time. He's not going to win by he's not going to win by three million the next time. Well, the
1: other question I have to ask Roger Stone is, uh, he was in Memphis. And he wasn't there to celebrate Elvis's birthday. He was doing a broadcast, an interview with the pillow guy who has oh, yeah. studios down there. And on his way to the studio, he had two security guys himself in an SUV. He was T-boned. I mean, T-boned out of nowhere. And this is after they started the negative campaign against DeSantis. And I said to Stone at the time, I said, you realize... This guy comes. His family comes from the same hometown as Rudy Giuliani's family, because DeSantis is Italian. I said, "Man, how do you know Stone?" And Stone was like, "No, no, no, it wouldn't be that." I said, "Let me tell Hold you on. something."
2: Hold on, you—you got to start the story again. So it's literal T-boning, like he was hit. T-boned. Survived no it. kidding. Survived. It. Uh-huh. uh
1: Then I said to him, "Hey, you know, how do you know this wasn't DeSantis?" Right. I see. Because he yeah. comes from the uh, world of Rudy Giuliani and all Italians who believe in a blood feud, of vendetta. And he goes, no, no, no. I say, look, Roger Stone, you're in for a battle here. This guy is not Jeb Bush. We're not talking Jeb Bush. Well, yeah,
2: I don't know. I I wouldn't be so sure. We don't know. I mean, the guy where he wears his high heels and he's, 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 he's wilting under these ads. You know, the thing with DeSantis is you got to get in the ring here. I know you're trying to be clever and cute by running without really running. Look at how Trump is hammering him with all these ads. And that's another thing you should keep, keep an eye on is to one degree is one hand clapping right now. Trump's people are crushing. If you watch cable TV for 10 minutes, you see an ad of Trump attacking too DeSantis. Early. Maybe, too early. Maybe, but it's having an effect on DeSantis. No, no, I understand, but still too early. He's going on
1: a worldwide trip now. Well, if I establish his bona fide, right, uh, as an international leader, after he screwed up the Ukraine thing, yeah, but they're not slowing down. I got, I got. They think they got Jeb Bush here, you know, one of the Bushes. No, 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 no. DeSantis came up the hard way. This guy knows uh, how how trench warfare is.
2: And there's no reason you know, for him what, to have What do you mean he came up? up the hard way? He served one term, in con- two terms in Congress. He, he he won by the skin of his teeth against the guy who, is, who, is, who was basically arrested a week later against Gilliam. Tell me what, what, Now he had an amazing win this time. 19 points is an amazing win in, in Florida. Tell me what kind of trench warfare does he know? He didn't come from the Bush
1: clan where you birthed into this. He didn't come from the Kennedy clan. He went clan. to
2: Harvard and Yale. Yeah, let's not make this guy out Excuse to be. Excuse
1: me. Where do all your Supreme Court justices come from I'm now? not
2: saying that's wrong. I'm just. Saying that this guy didn't, didn't come out of uh, had a Bensonhurst. By the <laughs> way,
1: great baseball player. He was in the Little League World Series. Yes. Can't take that from. He him. He was an excellent. That was baseball every one
2: player. of our dreams he, to make it to the Little he, League actually, the Little League World he, Series in Williamsport. He's only grown two inches since then.
1: I say. I'm telling you. I'm <laughs> telling you. This is not yet Bush. This is not yet Bush. But anyway, up next. I, it, you got to tell me what that was in Washington, D.C. yesterday at the African-American uh, Mayor's Conference. Do we have any sound on that? Let yes. me
2: listen to when we get back. Yes,
1: but the swagger man decided he was going to do a Saturday night live routine on the stage and actually talk about, yeah, I am the swagger man. And I'm like, man, that ain't helping you. That ain't helping you. If things were going well, nobody would care. But, Anthony, things are not going well in the city. And you would think, knock it off, knock the shtick off, because it isn't resonating with average, everyday working people and people who are deciding, once again, do I stay or do I go exclusive? To uh, Anthony Wiener on the left, yours truly, Curtis Lee on the right, Oh, a lot of other stuff coming up. But you're going to hear Mayor Eric Adams last night on the stage, and you're going to say, was this Saturday Night Live? Who is this, Eric Adams? Which one is he? Because he's an enigma.
0: It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king, Curtis Lewa, in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 W.A.B.C. debate. Heavyweight Slugfest.
1: What is this new agey, holistic,
2: uh, homeopathic music? What is it? You're wondering, is it Wiener or is it Christian? Which, Who chose this song?
1: Well, let me just tell you, it's ready to be put in the Muzak file soon. You'll hear that in a uh, elevator uh, somewhere in the city. Uh, but I want to first compliment your son for doing his hockey report. It reminded me with my tooth flying out. I feel like I could be a ranger, or an islander, uh, or a devil in the playoffs now. Where, you know, because their teeth—they pop out all the time. They got bridges. They got all kinds of contraptions in their mouth. Did you
2: see in the in the in the first game of the uh, of the Vegas Winnipeg series, a guy got seventy stitches in the first uh, first period and came back to yeah. continue the game in the second period? And that's what I
1: admire about hockey. Cross check. Uh, they check you into the boards. They smash you into the glass. And it's stick checks. That's the dangerous one, the stick checks. Because uh, years ago, remember, no helmet. Right. No helmet. All No, the pretty no boys. visor, nothing, yeah. No, and they used to do a stick check and cut you, and it'd be like a, they call it like a, a fish hook. And they wouldn't even take you to the hospital, man. they take you in the locker room, stitch you up right there. They would just get a little threat. That's right. They'd ask anybody in there. Anybody got threat on them? I've seen in the house. And they would stitch him up and get him through the game. That's the way I feel. But I want to uh, compliment your son because, man, you know, you got young people doing sports
2: here. They're all in their 20s. Your kid could be like a junior sports reporter soon here. He, he, was great. he was great. He was great. He also loves the hockey. We went to that hockey game last night. It was the first time there was a Stanley Cup game at UBS at the new arena. Exciting! It would have been much worse if he had lost. He wouldn't want to come in and talk about it if he lost. No, no, I no! But you
1: got to tell him. You see, John Sterling. Uh, I used to do post-post Yankee game shows after John Sterling. This Yenta wouldn't shut up. If you lose a game, the <laughs> hardcore fan doesn't want to hear all the miserable uh, plays. Uh, but you know, John Sterling, you're oblivious. Hey, John, you know, it's
2: my turn. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Curtis, I got another half hour. What are you talking no, about? It's, it's it here. You're actually onto something. Is when you're pulling out of the game, or if it's done, and you win, you want to hear all the interviews, everything, you want to hear right. everything. But if you lose, the last thing you, you want to hear is the coach said, we didn't bring enough, they they, they you don't want to hear any of that. You're switching away as quickly as possible. Yeah, you'd rather take that Mike Piazza shredded
1: uh, bat that's up there, right. I think, uh, in the uh, Hall of Fame up in Cooperstown, and you'd rather impale yourself. But anyway, I digress. Tonight... Inner Circle, this is when all the uh, reporters in the 4th Estate get to roast whoever's mayor. It's a tradition. You've been there. I've been there. And tonight the focus is Eric Adams' rat man. So the last year of his um, mayoralty is now going to be defined by his war against rats. And I can just imagine how he's going to be lampooned. But I would have thought before that they would have done something on swagger man. Because remember, Saturday Night Live did it initially right out of the box. He inherited, and unfortunately, instead of discarding it, every time you mention Swagger Man, he he like lights up. So yesterday in the afternoon, he's on the stage, the African American Mayors Conference, and they're talking some really serious. And he's issues. got Lori
2: Lightfoot sitting with him. I think, yeah, right? co co-host. <laughs>
1: It's like and all of a sudden she like rediscovers her law and order roots when she was an assistant prosecutor in the uh, uh, U.S. attorney's office in Chicago. But anyway, uh, so Eric Adams gets up and it almost becomes a revival session where he's like taunting anybody who would dare, you know, call him the man with swag I, I'm the CEO of the largest corporation in America, and my bald head, earring-wearing swagger is running this city my way. Yeah, yeah, my way. Yeah. That's swag. Yes, sir. And so, the brothers and sisters in the audience, they're up, they're swaying. It's like a, a holy roller reverend, but national stage, he's getting no money from Joe Biden. Uh, Schumer hasn't come with any money. Hakeem Jeffries hasn't. Uh, Kathy Hochul hasn't. This is his whole desire. I gotta get money, man. We're gonna be four billion dollars in the hole before you know it with all the migrants. And he's on the stage and he's firing up the crowd saying, Yeah, I, I, I'm the. I, I got swag. It's like, guy, calm down. Let's get back to the basics. This is not Saturday Night Live. This is not you're a year and a half into your mayoralty. It's not looking good. What, what would you suggest to him when when he gets caught up in these uh, situations where he he just he loses? Let's face it, he lost control of himself there. Not the right time, nor the right place. Well, I
2: mean, so I think that often politicians get criticized for not revealing their real selves and having all kinds of canned lines about everything and everything. And so I'm not going to do that. I think that he should be who he is, and I think that he should be colorful if he wants to be colorful. The problem is. You only get so much rope to do that based on how good a job that you're perceived as doing. Like people will put up with all of the flying to Bermuda that you want to do if you're Bloomberg, if you're developing ground zero. If you're not, if it's sitting there, they're going to be on your case and say, how come you're not doing A and not B? If you are John Lindsay, you can talk about, you know, the go-go New York City, the nightlife mayor and everything else like I think that uh, Eric Adams is. But if you have racial strife and if you have the city falling apart and everything else, you lose your ability to do that. And Eric Adams is at at an inflection point now. He's not new at this job anymore. You've got crime that is showing some signs of getting a little better, but I don't think most New Yorkers would say, okay, that problem solved. My biggest problem with Eric Adams right now is it's hard to figure out how he wants us to perceive him because sometimes he does stuff like this. And I'm like, is that really what you want to be? and you talk and you yeah i mean and you talk about the the rat is the is the issue i don't if that's going to be your signature issue hey my advice is that's not a great one cuz you're not going to defeat the rats no <laughs> you're no not look, look i way. wanted to be rat on it. remember i told everybody you can't defeat him you can right. only have dayton right i mean and that's and that's if when people define their signature issues as thing well, the biggest thing you know when rudy gillon defined a signature issue crime yes We all said, that's a risk, pal, because it's a big risk. But if you do it, you get rewarded for it. And so I don't mind him going to different audiences and having a different and putting on a little bit of a show and being colorful. I don't have a problem with that. But, you know, I had a conversation with Huma just the other day. I was like, what do you think he wants as his bumper sticker to be known for by New Yorkers? And I don't really have my arms around it here, and we're two-plus years in. Get stuff gun, done, guy? Okay, well, actually, give me the five or six stuff things that we should think about. So this type of thing is a little bit off message. And one other thing, being on stage with Lori Lightfoot is not a good look because she's someone who literally lost her job a couple of weeks ago because of her inability to solve crime. And then you have our mayor on the same stage with her. If I were he, I would have not done shtick. I would have done, listen, I love you, Lori. You're a friend. Here's what I'm doing that's different than you did in Chicago, yeah. and this is why I'm doing it. That really, would have made, made more sense.
1: Or invite uh African-American male who did a very good job in the eight years he was in Philadelphia, Michael Nutter, uh, who is a moderate Democrat, and say, you know, this is the direction we have to go. You know, you want to say brothers and sisters. Look, look at the great job Michael Nutter did. Now, without saying it, you have a white mayor, you have a white prosecutor, you have an African-American uh, police commissioner, but... The fact is, Michael Nutter had Philadelphia in check, and he still adhered to democratic principles.
2: Yeah, I, but I, I think that the, the, the larger problem that I think Eric Adams has sometimes is he doesn't realize that every time you're appearing someplace, it's a chance to reinforce your message. Yes. What your value is, what your message is. And in this case, his value is kind of is goofy. It's like it's about me, it's about what I'm wearing, it's about how I'm acting, and everything else. I think you should always look for chances. You should always kind of have in your mind, and you did this during the mayor's campaign, have in your mind, what are your three bumper sticker things you want everyone to think yep, of when they see you? just three. And I don't think he had a chance to do And the other thing, and this is a little bit difficult for a white person to say, so I hope our listeners don't take it the wrong I'll way. I'll say it. This was a chance to do a little bit, not I an mean, assist-a-soldier moment is a little bit overused, but to say to his community of African-American leaders, look, we have a real challenge here. We've been given a responsibility. We are judged by a different standard. Right or wrong, we're judged by a different standard. Lori Lightfoot showed that we were judged pretty harshly. And I wanna be judged. I wanna I wanna I wanna show how you know this is a competence matters here, and here's what I'm doing to show competence. I think that would have been the kind of message to bring it to any audience, but particularly to an African American audience of other leaders to say, listen, we're here to be taken seriously, and here's what we tend to do about I, it. I have vertical when
1: I listen to Eric Adams. One minute, he's the holy roller. Prayer in school will resolve the issue of guns in school. Okay. You want to <laughs> believe that? Then the next thing about the weed shops. We got to, you know, close these illegal weed shops, which are a plague in your neighborhood, Anthony, my neighborhood, all neighborhoods. And then he'll start making jokes about weed.
2: And I mean, on a national stage, it's sort of like, Guy, if you're going to be serious, be serious. Right. No, be- I, I, I think that that's the other thing. And, you know, I used, to, I remember early on in my campaign for mayor in 2005, when I was unprepared for citywide, a citywide audience, I, they did a profile of me in the New York Post. You know, Post likes to build you up and then tear you down. Oh. And so I was getting, I was my built up phase. And they did this thing about how every reporter in town likes to just sit down and shoot the poop with Anthony Weiner because he's funny and he makes jokes and cracks everything. And that story came out. And I'm like, hey, this is great. It makes me look very human. And, it is. and my people and the people who are giving me advice says, no, your problem is that you need credibility as someone people can visualize running the city. You don't want to be the guy they want to have a beer with. You want to be the guy that they can visualize turning over the keys that Mike Bloomberg is out of touch. You're the out of borough guy. You're someone who really understands exactly. things. And I don't think that Eric Adams, because of his path to the success, I think he thinks that, that what he did on stage the other day is important and integral to his success. I think, though, he does it on the spur of the moment
1: because I don't think he planned to do that. I think he gets swept up by the crowd, and you know the most dangerous thing for anybody running for office is to be swayed by a crowd and offer your message. And then all of a sudden, because you want to make the crowd happy, you say things that just reinforce the negative stereotypes that exist. Yeah. I mean, there are people saying, wait a second, you wear uh, fancy suits, okay? You love nightlife. You talk, call yourself the swagger man.
2: But I don't see things getting better in New York City. So and, yeah, mean yeah I mean, look, but let's, let's just be, be, you know, half of left versus right. It's Curtis Lee who ran against him. You never liked him. You think he would have been a better mayor, et cetera. You, you come in with a certain bias against him. I am predisposed to really like him and support him, and I have been put in that position for the last year or so that we've d- done this show, that I think he deserves our support. I think he's done a, by and large, an okay job. But I'm always on the lookout for signs that he understands that he's got a problem. He's underwater in the polls, that he gets it and is changing and calibrating and learning as he goes. Moments like this shows me he's not really getting it.
1: He's 37% not. approval rating. That's Biden country, not in New York. Biden does much better. Hochul does much better. Obviously, Uh your former boss, Schumann, does much better. Gillibrand does much better. But somebody's got to grab Eric and say, Eric, 37% approval rating in the city
2: in which you beat your opponent, Curtis Lee, convincingly. That's not a good number. So here's the thing. So I'm not an insider anymore. I'm here yakking about stuff. I probably learn more about what's going on inside City Hall from people like you than anyone. Tonight we have this inner circle dinner thing where all they get together. It's my one thing where I go and get to see. You talk to these reporter types and they say there's no one who's doing lapel grabbing with Eric Adams. He's not someone like I used to have this core of people around me who would spank me when I, you know, give me advice and tell me and tell me. And I don't know who that is. Was it Frank Carone back in the day? Maybe Or it's this group of women deputy mayors who seem competent, but are they telling him don't do A versus B? I don't know. And I think it's always important to have someone in your orbit, whether it's your significant other, whether it's your longtime friend who's not trying to suck up to you, who doesn't rely upon you for their salary, who says – Look, here are three or four things you got to start focusing on if you're going to get a second bite at this at this thing. And I don't know if he has those people. He may. I just don't know. Well,
1: in many ways, he's not going to like this. But he is the Democratic black version of Donald Trump, except he's running a city. And a city, you got to show results. You as president, you know, you could get out. You can give a speech. We won't see the results one way or the other. But in the city, it's simple. Homelessness, emotionally disturbed, crime, garbage in the streets, rats, the basics, public school
2: education,
1: and I can't say that man he's delivering on those. Well,
2: the I basics. Mean, things have gotten. I think things have gotten better on crime, and I think by the time he takes he runs for re-election, I think there'll be enough better that he'll be able to make a story out of that. I think staking out things like like rats is a losing proposition for reasons that you've laid out. Look, I did a show long before that they, you know, months before they legalized um, marijuana to be sold in neighborhood stores as a fairly progressive guy who was like, I was 11 year old son and who's grown up in New York by saying that I think politicians who are showing up holding blunts in their hands and celebrating this new business, I think, it, you know, and a matter. Eric Adams stayed away from those. Things. Damn right. But I would be at the. I would be the other end of the spectrum right now. I would be going out there and doing. I'd be leading sweeps. I'd be going into these places. I got a place. I've talked about this a dozen times. Right on my block that has signs in the window with the prices and the names of these different. I uh, just came from
1: Astoria, where we started Guardian Angel Patrols because because had that double murder right down Astoria Boulevard in Steinway three weeks ago. Still haven't resolved it. It's garbage everywhere. It's like this used to be the crown jewel of Queens. And the most interesting thing in just walking and talking about all this mixture of people is, is that they really, no matter what their political ideology, they just want the basics done. Crime will scare you out of a neighborhood, will make you leave. And as we see, the exodus continues.
2: Yeah. So, yeah. so do one thing well. Yeah, I think that's right. And getting back to this appearance that he did in Washington, I think for the most part, people will like, go ahead, do, do whatever you want. And if you want to go out to a night, to a nightclub, two o'clock in the morning, you get all kinds of rope to be able to do that. If people generally believe, and t- frankly, it's an asset. People makes you more human. But if people don't quite understand, if there's this sense, if put it this way, if you're running against Eric Adams is, and and it works as a campaign slogan, say maybe a little less time in the nightclubs and a little um uh, a little more time making it safe to go out at night. Well, you know, my tagline like
1: goes over really good with the crowd. Swagger Man has no plan, and they laugh. But up next, the bigger person that you could give advice to is Andrew Cuomo. He's everywhere. He's trying so desperately to reinvent himself. He's now taking on this posture of law and order. We'll play you this cut that was circulating all last week. Uh, Anthony, he's not going to listen to me, obviously, but he might listen to somebody like you. You had to come and crawl all the way out of the abyss to be received by an audience that wanted you to fail. And he's in that same situation. There is an audience out there who wants him to fail every step of the way upon his resurrection.
0: It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC Debate Heavyweight Slugfest.
2: Passable. He did it. He did it. He found a rap song. Passable. Uh,
1: I don't know. Uh, passable. Why Why not that pedophile on a pedestal, uh, Michael Jackson singing Ben, the theme song to the whole movie about rats? But it's okay. It's okay. Now, on the matter of, uh, Andrew Cuomo, he is so desperately trying a comeback and i got to tell you he's writing editorials now op-eds he's trying to make appearances he has his podcast there are things he cannot run from he has a he has a legacy i mean it's it's clear we lived with the guy every day during covid uh during uh, the lockdown and pandemic and then last week he issued out to any media who would pay attention to him his new uh reinvention of himself as Mr. Law and Order.
2: The far left doesn't want to talk about crime. They don't want to hear the word crime spoken. Do you know who are the victims of crime? Over 70% black, brown, and poor. So tell me, who does the Democratic Party really represent if not the black, brown, and poor?
1: So in that, just that simple phrase... People who heard it said, "Okay, you know, you're resurrecting yourself. Maybe you had a change of mind, but you got to go back to the fact that you're the one who authored that no cash bail. You signed it into law. You promoted it. You you can't suddenly start making these comments without taking some responsibility."
2: Yeah, it's also that's a he. Uh, it's a Republican talking point. <laughs> so, what are you trying to are you? You know, he put – I follow him on Twitter. He puts out this statement, you know, the domino effect. Raising state taxes could reduce revenue by causing more people to leave. Well, no one raised state taxes more than he did during his administration. And then the thing about crime – so here's the thing. Now, I, I, I'm i of two minds to this because I would not be sitting here if not for the concept of giving people second and third chance. Sure. And he was invited to come here. At the ABC and to do some shows and I thought they were by and large pretty good except for one thing our listeners m- many of them who tuned in he got good ratings rebelled because the the, the the room was full of elephants that he wasn't addressing one elephant is his own misconduct you know you want to talk about crime this guy has his own misconduct I mean there's no one he's not being prosecuted in that sense but there's a lot of allegations out there and are reports and everything else. He doesn't talk about the ramifications of his decisions during COVID that he took so much credit for and wrote a book about. And a lot of people in the nursing home thing, I know it's a nuanced thing, but you can't blow by it. And now this whole idea about talking about crime when the singular issue that people are talking about unfairly, I believe, is no cash bail. That was his administration, and when he was offered a chance by John Katsimatidis to clean up in the second, he didn't do much better. No, he bobbed and weaved and didn't. Still, didn't take much. ownership I, I think of
1: it. this is his problem. He sends his aide de camp, Melissa DeRosa, to fight his battles. She walked into the pit the other day on the five o'clock roundtable discussion, and do you know who was sitting here? George Pataki. And she started to somehow try to join them, co-join them together, and he just eviscerated him as a, as a gentleman, not the way I right, would, right. but with the facts. And he's got to understand, Melissa DeRosa might have done a good job for him as his chief of staff, his protector, uh, you know, uh, the guardian, the centurion guard at the gate. But he's got to come out. He's got to do the You can't. Expect Melissa DeRosa to defend some of the indefensible without you, the person responsible, acknowledging, I was wrong, I've learned from that, this is what we should be doing. Because Pataki just annihilated her. And and the the poor woman, what could she say? Because let's face it, she does not want to offend uh, her patron, you know, her Medici, which is still Andrew Cuomo. She's got a book coming out. It says, oh, page six, a book uh, on uh, telling all the secrets. And then when she had a chance to explain it, not going to say anything about the Cuomos or what Andrew was like. She's going to do an all-out assault on the Fourth Estate, uh, the reporters, because they weren't fair to her, nor fair to Andrew. And I'm like, nobody's going to buy that book.
2: Just like nobody bought in. Well, I don't know. I I think she's got an interesting story to tell, and I find her to be interesting on the radio because she's she really is an insider. You know, the secretary to the governor. While the word is the secretary, that's the ty- that's person who that kind of the gatekeeper for everything. But here's the fundamental problem: if that you if if you had to describe Andrew Cuomo in a few words in the minds of voters, it's this basic problem of lacking any sense of humility and kind of. Like, OK, I'm taking accountability. I'm in a business about accountability, which is politics, and I'm here to take some. I'm going to take an inventory here. You know, I'm going to try to f- – there's none of that. It's like he's incapable. And so if, if to be his defender means – and by the way, his defenders were like that. They were so vicious about taking taking any opponent down. At no point did they ever look over their shoulder and say, hey, boss – Here's four or five things no. you should probably stipulate no. to. They were, they were soldiers. They were, but I see a bigger problem, and maybe you can help me with this. What is he trying to do? Is he trying to become a third-party person in New York and, just, and to try to defeat – I mean, which could be. That could be what his vision is. I'm going to come in and take enough of my old Democrats – I'm going to posture that I'm – that the Democratic Party has left me on things like crime, maybe attracting a handful of independents and Republicans enough to make him a viable third-party candidate? I don't understand this posturing of him versus the Democratic Party. And let's remember the last time he stood for re-election, <clears throat> he, he performed gymnastics the likes of which I hadn't seen to make himself appear to be more liberal than maybe he was You know, he, because he got a challenge, a rather vigorous challenge from the left. And so he he was twisting himself into knots to say no I'm a progressive before progressive was hip and all this other kind of stuff. So I am as a strategy matter I have no idea what he's trying to
1: do. Well, I will tell you this. I think he's trying a little bit of everything to f- try to find his stride but without acknowledging fault. Yeah. What's the difference between him and Trump? Trump never apologizes. Cuomo never apologizes. It, it, it reaches a point where Trump is above all that because he has his base. Yeah, like he said, I could go out in the Fifth Avenue, shoot somebody in the head, and a Trumper will say, who, Trump? No, nah, I didn't see
2: him. Right, right. I mean, but there's an important difference, though. The difference is that Andrew Cuomo has fidelity to governance and has ideas and it was, head, it was a head of HUD and was it was attorney general and governor on a record and has some things that he believes and things that he doesn't believe in. I, I don't think the problem with Trump is Trump is a whole bunch of impulses, not really held together by any governing philosophy. I think Cuomo is a is a is a heavyweight governor and a heavyweight political figure. Where he is right now in this kind of purgatory that he's in, is you know, what happens in purgatory as it's been explained to me my by my Christian friends, is the purgatory it takes a little while to sort out where you belong. And if you can stay in purgatory a very long time if you're, you know, if if you don't seem to acknowledge that you've got some things that, that perhaps you've got to come clean about. he's not
1: ready, as you say, to come clean, just stay in your hobble out there in the Hamptons. Don't give interviews. Stay quiet. Maybe the political uh, times will change and people will look fondly upon you again, at least in some aspects. But just to, uh, sporadically at times, surface and not address the key issues of your own legacy, it, it falls on deaf ears. I and think. When the hell has the Daily News
2: and the New York Post editorially ever agreed on anything other than enough Cuomo? That's exactly right. That is the problem I think politically where Cuomo sits now is he is trying to position himself as some kind of a of a, an elder statesman type that makes pronouncements, goes on the radio, doesn't really say all that much except maybe he's right. Maybe there are enough. Cuomo acolytes out there that he will get them somewhere, but it, it doesn't seem to be working right now. To
1: be continued, but more relevant, though, is your cheater. Um, this rosin sweat thing that has led to ten uh, days suspended from Major League Baseball. I mean, I've seen a lot of theatrics on the mound, but your guy, what was his name, Scherzer, Scherer, whatever, Scherzer. makes like what ninety million dollars. I mean, he got caught. And again, instead of just acknowledging, okay, got me, guys. You got me, umpire. No, no, no. He had to put on a performance there for kids. Dropping F-bombs like to was no tomorrow. Shonda, shame on you. We'll get into that on left versus right, Anthony Weiner versus Curtis Lewa.
0: It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. The 77 WABC Debate. Heavyweight Slugfest.
2: In the two of
1: us need no more. Oh, a whole movie about rats. <laughs> Maybe that should be the theme song tonight at the Inner Circle gathering since all the reporters have themed this out to be Eric Adams' uh, response to being called Ratman. But, let's go to the mound. I haven't seen anything like this since the days of Gaylord Perry hiding the KY jelly on different parts of his body in his glove on his uniform. And umpires would search him for belly button lint. Your guy, your ace that Steve Cohen for the Mets spent kazillions of dollars for, who, when he's on his game, is an excellent pitcher. Excellent. But, man, they found him with uh, some kind of a substance in his glove. He claims it was rosin and sweat, but... Uh, as the umpire said, <laughs> when we put our finger to it, we couldn't extract <laughs> our finger from the substance. It was like stick-em. Like uh, Bolitnikov, who used to be a receiver for the Oakland Raiders, would put that stick em all over his arms, and it, the ball would stick on him.
2: What was that? I don't know. I find his explanation pretty convincing, that why would I get called out? Now, this happened twice. He got called out for it, I think, in the third inning. They said, we're going to check you again. And he said, I did the, I, I didn't, why would I go out there with this up? Here's what I don't understand. Two elements of this I don't understand. One is the standard really if an umpire finds something sticky in your hand. Like, is, is it so vague in the rules that there's no way to check? There's no, I don't know what they can do, some kind of a, a chemical strip to see if there's presence of something. But whenever I see them do the rosin bag, it makes a dust. It's, it's, it's dry. You're telling me that the chemistry of this thing is when you add sweat to it it becomes like a gooey glue seems a little weird if that's the explanation. but I will but let me just say this his spin rate doesn't seem to be affected. it's not that different than it's than it's been. It does seem pretty bizarre that he would try to do the same thing twice and I didn't you know if he's allowed to take the sweat from his hair, which he admits to doing and putting it on this rosin re- bag. I think you've got a problem. Ten games is a pretty steep penalty. Well, look, he's getting old. And when pitchers get older, there's
1: all kind of tricks. Whitey Ford for the Yankees used every trick in the book because they want the ball to drop. That's really to put a substance on the ball. They want the ball like it's coming straight to the home plate and then just drops at the last second. Right, because
2: they want resistance on one side of the ball where the where the sticky stuff is to make the, the, the ball act now, in, a, in an unusual Now, you do way. need rosin because
1: these guys are throwing 95 miles an hour. We saw that major league ball player who got hit and it like fractured its whole face. It's scary when you got somebody who can throw 95, 99, 100 miles an hour, and they lose a little control of it, and it's coming at your head or at your other body part, and they break, they fracture. So
2: I know the need for the rosin, so you get a better and grip plus, on the ball. And plus, game balls are all put through a regimen of dirt and everything else. They're supposed to be scuffed up a little bit. That's why this rule... I mean, look. I get they're trying to they're trying to level the playing field, but well, be, let's be honest. People pay incredible amounts
1: of money to go watch Major League Baseball games. They got to take a reverse mortgage or payday loan because they want to see home runs. They don't want to see shutouts. They don't want to see three up, three down. I don't know
2: home runs and but home runs and strikeouts, home runs and strikeouts. That's why they made these rule well, changes. The
1: shift has changed that a bit, uh, right. and I'm beginning to see a lot more base hits. A lot more, hey, let's hit uh, to the opposite field when the runner's on first. More of that strategy taking place. I think that shift. Uh, where guys would get up, and they didn't care if there were five people over between first base and second base. I'm still going to knock it through there.
2: Yeah. which is the worst thing that could happen for Major League Baseball. I I guess. I happen to like the rule changes, and I think the improvements they've made to the game. But you talk about what people pay for it. Do they really pay for a nump to be standing on the mound for 15 minutes arguing with a pitcher? Anyway, you're
1: out. Let's call Rob Astorino
2: in from the bullpen. We're out
1: of here.
0: We're out of here. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC Debate Heavyweight
1: Slugfest.